Welcome to, like, the TB Toycast. If you play with toys, you will score. <laughs> yeah, yeah, toys are cool, like fire, fire. <laughs> you won't score, Beavis. You're too much of a butt monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, butthead. I'll play with all the toys, then I'm definitely gonna score. <laughs> <laughs> toys are cool, Beavis. A big toy collection gets you all the chicks. And if you, like, listen to the TB Toycast, you will definitely score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't wait to score. <laughs> Everyone will score but you, Beavis. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, butthead. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to the TV Toycast. Right here with another special interview. And as I've talked about before, uh, on these shows, I'm trying to highlight different people that are kind of doing some cool stuff in the world of of toys, collectibles, or action figures, whatever you want to call them. And uh, this week, I have Brian, the '80s wrestling fan, on Twitter. Uh, a lot of you guys have probably seen his account, and he is doing some awesome stuff with LJ and figures. We're going to dive into all that. But first of all, Brian, thank you for joining me on the show today, man. Oh, hey, I, I really appreciate you having me. It's such an honor. Uh, I've been listening to you on uh, uh, several of your podcasts over the last uh, year or so, and I'm, I'm always impressed by uh, your abilities uh, to uh, tell a great story and to run a smooth ship as far as all of your different podcasts. So thank you so much, Brian. Oh, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, <laughs> it's not always as smooth as I would like it to be, as I'm sure you're learning doing your own podcast, which we'll dive into as well. But to me, like, I, I think it's really cool the, the ability that we all have to kind of create content. You kind of in our own homes, right? Because this was not a possibility um, many years ago. So the the fact that me and you can sit here and talk, we got acquainted through through the world of social media because we have a common interest in in, in wrestling figures is, is really cool. So. Um, to me, like I know social media sometimes gets a bad rap, but I think there's a lot of positives to it as well if you if you utilize it correctly. Yeah, I've heard you uh, say it many times. There's like all these people that I would never know if it wasn't for uh, Twitter and social media, and uh, and I loved how you put it when I when I had you as a guest. Just the ability to create something that's uh, that's yours, and uh, as far as a podcast, and and do it however you want to do it, and and I, I love the way you've done it. So. Uh, thanks again for uh, for all these great uh, all this great content that you put out there. I appreciate you saying that, man. Um, you know, I was I was pretty much uh, taken to your Twitter account uh, pretty early on when I first kind of discovered it because of all the LJN figures. And most of us, I think, that are into wrestling figures probably started in some way with LJNs. Even if that wasn't your era, you probably had a couple of old beat up LJNs in your collection somewhere, and. To me, like that will always go down as like the the first wrestling figure I truly remember having. And obviously, you're a big LJN fan, so I'm I'm curious, man. Like, if, if, is are LJN figures just is that your go to wrestling figure? I mean, it's obviously hugely popular amongst collectors, but I mean, they're so hard to come by nowadays. Yeah, I mean, uh, when I was growing up. Um, so I was born in 74, and I I got into the Star Wars figures. I got into G.I. Joes and GoBots and Transformers. So 
uh, and even, you know, some, uh, Batman and, and Superman and, you know, the super friends, bef- you know, in the late seventies, early eighties. But when I became a wrestling fan, there was, uh, Remco's and there were LJN's and those were basically the two choices. And, uh, Remco's being AWA, which, uh, I didn't see as much of and, and the, uh, uh, I don't know the style of them. The the LJNs were the ones that I I gravitated towards, and they were the guys that I was watching on TV on on WWF. So so for me, the the LJNs were were where it was at, and and I think the first thing figure that I got was actually one of the four inch uh, Bendy's figures of uh, Roddy Piper, and, and soon after I started getting the eight inch figures. So, so yeah, it was it was all about the LJNs and the Bendy's, and, and even the thumb wrestlers for me, all the the WWF guys that uh, were in the mid '80s when I started watching in uh, oh early uh, right around spring of 1986. So definitely LJNs. It's crazy to me because I'm sure you've seen the Toys That Made Us episode where they talk about how originally the line was supposed to be Bendy's. And, like, this, you know, obviously they make them bigger to do detail and then they scale them back down. But it's like for whatever reason it wasn't relayed that, no, 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 these are going to be smaller. So they ended up producing eight inch figures. It's kind of crazy to think, like, I wonder if the LJN line would have been successful or as successful if they had went the Bendy route and that that's what we got. Like, I'm sure they would have still been great, but definitely different than what we would remember. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it would have. I think that, I think they called it a two up or something, right. but, uh, but yeah, that size, the detail, the, the detail difference is so much better on those than it is on the Bendy's they originally came out with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I love those, uh, those first Bendy's figures. I have all those and, and I think those are, you know, really fun toys as well, but uh, but yeah, the detail on the bigger LJNs—that's where it's at, and and I think that's a huge uh, huge part of why they succeeded is is being different than everything else. The the Star Wars and the GI Joes were, you know, basically the same size as the Bendies, maybe even a little smaller, but mm-hmm. uh, but those big those big rubber guys like uh, uh, Cardona and, and Myers and the major major. Wrestling Figure Podcast and MajorMerch.com are putting out again to, to kind of get that nostalgic uh, figure form back in our hands. That That's the, the style I fell in love with. And, and I know you you said those were your first wrestling figures also. If I remember right, your grandma got you a big garbage bag full of them or, or something amazing. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And, and that was the thing. It was, it was so cool because you could buy, back in those days, you know, garage sales and flea markets, I, a lot of people – sold that stuff so cheap because it was old, but now would go for, you know, pretty good amount of money. So it's kind of crazy how times have changed. But, yeah, LJNs are definitely something I grew up on. And one thing, too, I want to bring up because I don't feel like this gets talked about a lot. I love how when you take all the pictures, you use, like, the outdoor background. I think that's really cool. Um, of, of all your figures, you'll show, like, legendary matchups that took place on this day maybe 30 years ago or something. And the reason that that sparked interest to me is, is my friend Bane from Power Hour, he did something a few years ago. Me and him were collecting Funko Pops, and obviously those were really big, probably about 2017, 2018. And he started taking pictures of them in different places. And I was like, man, that's really cool, like to kind of give them a, a, like a just kind of a, a random background from somewhere outside. And so I, I took – I had the four Ninja Turtles, and I had this manhole cover at my condo complex where I lived at the time. 
And so I, I placed them all on the manhole and took a picture and I was like, man, that's really cool. And so then I kind of started doing it with different pops in different places that kind of thought would make sense or whatever with a cool background. And, and so when I saw you take all the pictures of your LJNs kind of outside and stuff, I always thought that was a really cool way to uh, take pictures of them. Yeah. It, uh, it's something where when I, I look at figure photography and I, and I can see that I'm never going to, uh, be able to create something like Nate at ring skirts, or I'm never going to be able to, uh, have the, the backdrops and the lighting and the quality of equipment of, uh, of like, I think it's Manny at figure kingdom, if I remember right. So there's all these, um, and Jed from, uh, oh, there's a, uh, uh, underground. Anyway, there's, there's several awesome figure photographers and I should have their names in, on the tip of my tongue. I don't, but, those guys have amazing setups, amazing backdrops, amazing lighting, and I'm like, I can't compete with that. But you know what? Is uh, I do have a beautiful backyard, and I have a uh, and natural lighting is like pretty amazing and easy to deal with. It you know, there's all kinds of times of the day that can change it up, and all kinds of little backgrounds. So it's for me, it was just like, well, I'll do what I can do, which is put them outside in a setting, and it'll just be a little different. And and I've, I've you know, I've taken. Uh, I've done a couple where I've done them away from the house. Like I did the uh, Rick Martell, Bret Hart, where I did them at the the Silver Dollar Fairgrounds in my town where I didn't get to see that show when it happened in 92, but I figured, oh, I'll drive the figures out and I'll put them in front of the, uh, I'll put them on the, the dash of my car and have the background for the Silver Dollar Fairground in the background or I'll take them up to the, the entry gate and put them by the gate there. So I'd like to go do stuff away from the house a little bit more, but I fall into these same, uh, we've got an, an awesome planter that people probably have seen in, I don't know, over half of my pictures where I have, uh, these, uh, river rocks and, uh, and we have a planter that, uh, that's, that's part of our, uh, our patio is this big, huge river rocks and concrete, uh, planter. And it just works out really well for a lot of, uh, uh, standing the figures up on the rocks or standing them next to the rocks. So, so yeah, it's, I, I appreciate that you, that you like those backgrounds and you like the outdoor stuff because I, I like the look of it a lot too. It, it's just the natural lighting and the, and the flowers or trees or whatever in the background. It's a, it's kind of, uh, it separates what I'm doing from a lot of the more uh, professional stuff that guys are doing on, on Twitter and wherever. Well, it gives it a different feel. And I've always kind of been a, uh, someone who, I don't know. And I don't know why, but I've always appreciated good photography. And so if I see like, like you said, like the natural lighting or the backdrop or something, it's just kind of cool. And it kind of gives it a different feel. And, And like you said, Nate from ring skirts, he's, uh, He's a good friend of the show. Um, I'll definitely have him on again. And, and so many other people, like, they're doing so much cool figure photography. But, you know, I even saw a guy, I think I, can't, I think Nate sent it to me, actually, this guy that did Star Wars figure photography where he would actually light, like, fireworks in the background of, like, a stormtrooper scene. And I'm just like, that's, I mean, it looks so cool. It's just, like, the effort that they put in. But that, to me, is what is fun about this. Like, I go back, and, and you'll get this being an 80s fan. I go back to like when I'd see GI Joe commercials and like they're, they're playing it. It's like the kids are in the dirt and you see all the, the setups and all this stuff. I'm like, man, that is so cool. Like it looks so fun. Not the same as playing on my bedroom floor, obviously, but like that appeal or the setting that they created really made me want to dive into those toys, which is to me kind of what the figure photographers are doing as well. Yeah, totally. The, um, one of the things that, uh, 
I talked with Nate about, and he said the same thing. He's like, I think that's why he gravitated towards wrestling figures instead of GI Joes, is because he could create the uh, the wrestling backgrounds, which I still don't understand how he does it. But um, I don't either. It's incredible. but but yeah, trying to those GI Joe backdrops where they're actually outside, and uh, those were great. Those great commercials, and uh, and yeah, I I really appreciate all the guys that that do have the patience to do like stop motion photography or to to build these amazing sets like Nate or just the lighting like the um like I say I think it's Manny from Figure Kingdom is one of them that uh, they'll have guys that'll be doing aerial moves and they're obviously held up with fishing line or something but they're able to digitally get rid of that stuff where you can't even see the fishing line holding up the figures um. You know, or the Star Wars ones like you're talking about, I'll see ones where they've got a replica, you know, interior uh, Death Star that you're looking at, and it's just like, how did they, how did they make this happen? So, um, there's a, there's a lot of really talented people out there, and, and, and like I said, the, the doing an outdoor shot makes it something where, uh, I'm, I'm just playing a different game that's a little easier, basically, to try and, um, have fun with some figures, but not, not go to the extreme amounts of work and, and talent that those guys have. Yeah, it's, it's definitely cool to see, um, you know, different setups. I know I, uh, I, I have a couple of back steps on my, uh, on my back porch, and I was trying to create some pictures. Of course, my dog, the second I go outside, has to, run in and out of the house like 50 I have a doggy door so she runs in and out whenever she wants and of course she's right in the middle and knocking stuff over and I'm like oh this is probably not going to happen <laughs> but, uh, you know, I've got the same thing with it yeah but it is fun to kind of try to create different stuff for sure what kind What kind of dog do you have I have a pit bull nice nice I'm sure she's the sweetest but very yep. very excitable and very very um, very high energy most of the time so she keeps it interesting that's for sure um, so I, I want to touch on the LJNs. Obviously, you know, you're a big LJN fan. Uh, I know we've talked before. You actually told me you had the entire collection, which is amazing. But obviously, if people have now seen that you dove into uh, kind of refurbishing LJNs, um, which is, you know, there's there's so many different, like, type of customizers now. Like, you have Jason Wolf, who's he, – his initial thing was making custom Hasbros. He was taking parts and swapping them around and making his own figures, which is really cool. And then – he gets into creating his own parts and his own heads and doing his own. Th- it's it's crazy the things he's come, he's came up with, uh, just since I've kind of you know been a collector of his stuff. Uh, but you kind of refurbish, which is interesting. So you take essentially, if I'm not mistaken here, an existing figure. You take all the paint off and you repaint it. So sometimes it could be the same attire repainted, or you could do like like with Hulk Hogan. I've seen you turn him into Rip from No Holds Barred, or give Brutus Beefcake more of his. Uh, zebra style tights or macho man a different color tights so really cool stuff that you've been doing with those man yeah i appreciate that the uh so basically when i was uh i just remember when i was a kid even you'd see ricky the dragon steamboat would have uh you know black uh tights that he was wearing but when i was watching in 86 he had kind of moved on to uh more purple tights with the red headband mm-hmm. and uh, and red socks coming out of his boots, and then he quickly moved on to the uh, the white tights with the dragons on the boots and and uh, that WrestleMania three, from, yeah, WrestleMania three, exactly. Yeah, so or like Tito Santana would have the purple trunks, but you know, I I was never crazy about the purple trunks and the purple knee pads on Tito. So even as a kid, I was like, I wish that Tito had 
red, like a deep red set of trunks and deep red uh, knee pads. And I wish Roddy had blue trunks and blue knee pads like he actually wears instead of red. And I wish that uh, Steamboat had the white tights. So so even back then, it's like it would be really cool to to change these and have the gear that I want to see them in. And then, um, and then I kind of thought about it and thought about it uh, after I got back into the the hobby. So I, I kind of stopped collecting around 88, 89 when I was um, 14, 15 years old. I, I stopped collecting figures. And then when I went back and, and got the 40 that my brother and I shared uh, back in the, at the end of 2012 and I brought them uh, from my parents' house um, 25 miles away over to, to my house and I, I started cleaning them off and everything. It's funny because at first I thought it was like something where I would I love having them in great shape, but I would never like try to repaint or anything. I th- my my opinion of repainting them was like the worst possible thing. I was like, I don't, I want it to be original. I don't, I don't want them to be disrespected like that. And and it, so it's just funny how my attitude has shifted because uh, in the ten years or so that I've kind of gotten back into them and 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 when I you know got them all and completed the whole set around 2016. Um, one of the uh, one of the people I worked with, an artist named Karen Riedler, did a custom figure of me because I showed her how some people do customs, and so she she ordered in a Nikolai Volkov on her own and made a custom figure that looks like me out of it, where she like dremeled and sanded down the shoulders, uh, the the traps, so it looks more like a a normal guy instead of Nikolai Volkov, and gave me pants and gave me a, a Bob Dylan shirt and. Like I say, she did a tremendous job. She's an artist. And and so that kind of got me thinking about it again. And, and then off and on, I've seen people who painted them and thought, I'd like to get into that someday. And then it was like the, towards the end of 2022, I saw on Twitter uh, Mark Halverson, one of the, the guys that uh, I have on, on my podcast, um, he, he was showing off some that he'd done. And I was just super impressed. And I, I DM'd him and asked, well, what kind of paint are you using? And, and how do you get it to, to look shiny like that? And I, and I sent out a, a DM to Jason Wolf also, and he was real kind and, and told me, you know, what, you know, what figures he likes to work on. And, mm-hmm. and, and so anyway, getting some feedback from a couple of those guys was like, okay, I'm going to start doing this and I'm going to do it in, uh, in forms that I like. And not only that, but by this time, now I'm just thinking, well, if you buy these figures on eBay that are, already have the paint pretty screwed up it's like do you throw them in the trash or do you go ahead and bring them back to life and so i think it's really cool that a lot of these you could consider throwing them away or them going in a dump or if you uh you know clean them off and in hot water and and hand soap or dish soap and then you use acetone like nail polish remover and you remove the paint you can bring them back to life and make them look even better than they did from LJN. And so that's that's kind of what I've been doing since uh, January. So in uh, oh, almost eight months, I've done uh, uh, close to 90 repaints. You know, so it's it's been keeping me busy. It's been a lot of fun. And, and the most joy is putting uh, gear on them that they didn't have before or just uh, um, bringing, um, bringing details there that they didn't have before, for sure. So, so long-winded answer there. Sorry. No, 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 no. You're good. That's kind of what I was hoping for is to kind of get a long, detail, you know, information on stuff like that. But here's the thing, man. I've dabbled in painting myself a little bit, and the thing that I realize is how 
how difficult it can be because I've never been like the most artistic person. Was that something you worried about a little bit thinking like, okay, well, obviously if they're a junk figure, like you said, you do put in a little bit of time and a little bit of money into it. But like, is it tough to think like, okay, if I put this online, what are people going to think? Are they going to be receptive? Are they going to, are they going to bash it? Are they going to think it's bad? Like, cause that's such a, it's kind of a hard thing to put all the way out there, right? For strangers sometimes. Yeah, and my and like the difference from when I first uh my first few figures for sure um didn't look I can see all these things like uh, when I was using the the brushes that weren't a fine enough tip, they'd have eyebrows that were too big or mm-hmm. or the just the detail I I didn't I don't know, I wasn't you get better at things. And uh as a little kid, I wanted to be an artist when I was like 4 years old and my mom was uh showing us Disney movies all the time and taking us to Disneyland. I I wanted to be like a Disney artist when I was 3 or 4 years old. And then uh it took a couple art classes in you know 7th grade, sophomore year of high school and it, it's just one of those things where I would draw and uh and and try to be artistic, but I always felt like okay, well I'm not at that level where you can do a career. So I kind of didn't have anything artistic for years and then about I don't know, 20 years ago, every Halloween, I would take a pumpkin uh, that was, I would buy giant pumpkins, so I usually do three or four giant pumpkins where the day before Halloween, I'll uh, I'll gut the pumpkins and do a, uh, a fairly intricate pumpkin design, and then the day after Halloween, basically, they're ready to go on our compost. So it was just a fun, artistic thing that, it, you know, I have some cool pumpkins that I could do and that's been my artistic outlet until this year when I uh, started doing LJNs and and so there are some figures like you say where I'm a little worried like I just did an axe um, for the first time uh, demolition axe and I did a honky tonk man um, and so the axe you know those figures are typically 50 bucks so I don't want to screw it up and ruin a $50 figure um, but uh, you know, or I just did a, an Elizabeth today, and same thing. They're fairly rare to come by, and so you don't want to screw up these rare figures. So, um, a lot of times, what I'll do is, uh, if I get it uh, uh, pretty close to finish, and I'm not positive, I'll I'll leave it alone for a day, and then I'll look at it again and see where I can kind of fine tune it. But uh, but one of the cool things I tell people is, if you were trying to do the LJNs, they're they're pretty forgiving because you can. For most of them, you can just take a Q-tip and some acetone and wipe away something you're not happy with. Mm-hmm. And then, and when you're trying to meet the uh, oh, the the lines of the trunks or the hair or the sh- the boots or whatever, when you're when you're connecting the uh, you're painting the line where it goes up to the skin, you can just take a a toothpick and kind of like scrape off what you messed up. So it's not like there's a no turning back you know point with most of these figures there. They're fairly forgiving. If you screw up, you can kind of chisel it away with a toothpick and, and redo it with the with the paint again. So that that's a, a thing where I figure if somebody, luckily, I've had all positive. Uh, I'd say ninety nine point nine percent positive on all my Twitter interactions in the three plus years I've been on Twitter. So that's great. I've been pretty fortunate. Where yeah, I haven't had any uh, you know. Uh, any jerks really that I've had to deal with. So I've been real fortunate there. No, that's definitely good. I, I mean, not that anyone should have a negative opinion because your work's amazing, but sometimes people on the internet, you just never know. Um, 
But no, man, I think your stuff is awesome, and I can I can also tell like, and I see this with Jason Wolf stuff too. It's like where it, it was good then, but it's better now. Like almost like you learn better, and you you figure out ways that are going to work better for you and stuff. So it's really cool for me to see how kind of how far you start to come and how how much better they they are. I'm curious, man. You said you mentioned ninety figures now. Like how how many hours a day are you spending painting and in prepping these figures? Because I know. Uh, Jason Wolf talks about, and I'm going to have him on this show again soon, hopefully, that you know sometimes he'll spend he spends 12 hours a day most of the time doing figures, where it's whether it's prepping them, printing them, painting them, uh, making decals, whatever it is he's doing, he's constantly spending hours upon hours upon hours um, getting them ready because there's a lot of work to it. Yeah, and I, I would worry if it was uh, if it was something where that was my job, I'd probably get tired of it. And so, because there are so many different figures, and then there's so many different ways you can paint them, I think that helps. But sure. um, but yeah, if I if I want to remove the paint off of Mister Fuji, for instance, who's got that's one that I've uh, got in my hand right now that I'm working on as well. I've got about so so lately I've been taking three or four figures at a time and and using the acetone and Q-tips and removing paint. And somebody like uh, Hulk Hogan, it might take 45 minutes to an hour to get all the paint off of him because you've just got the trunks, the uh, hair, the boots, the the wrist, uh, you know, the wristbands. It not, you know, most of the, the figure doesn't have paint on it. But then if I try to remove the, the paint off of uh, Mean Gene Oakland or Mr. Fuji, that could be like a three-hour process of... of going through, you know, 50 or 60 Q-tips at least and probably more and, uh, and dipping them in a little, uh, uh, nail polish remover and then just, just, uh, elbow grease, just taking the paint away so that when you're doing the, uh, the new coats of paint that you're putting on there, they'll, uh, they'll look better in my opinion. And plus you're, you know, cleaning off, you know, I, I try to clean them first, which that can take a little bit of time also, but, uh, you know, a lot of times just using the acetone will will clean off a lot of the figure too, and and so yeah, you could spend three hours trying to get the paint off Mr. Fuji, and then uh, depending on the figure itself, you might spend anywhere from four to uh, ten hours painting it. Um, I did a Jesse Ventura where I put all the little flowers and stuff on his on his tights like he wore um, back when he was wrestling in the the early '80s. He had these pink tights uh, and and these red boots um, and they had these uh, these flowers all over the tights but doing that it took so long that I haven't really wanted to do another Jesse Ventura in that style again or you know I did a custom um, Butch Reed from uh, from uh, uh, Sin Bodhi who I'd give a shout out to makes amazing 3D resin figures oh, yeah, which awesome. uh, love Sin Bodhi's work yeah, and so that Butch Reed is probably the favorite figure that I've done out of uh, all my different figures that I've uh, out of all nine, you know, eighty nine, ninety that I've done. But it's uh, it also it, I probably spent upwards of ten hours painting it. So painting on the resin, it took more coats to paint it. Um, there was more detail on the figure itself than on a standard LJN, like the little rims of his glasses are just tiny and his mouth is open. So I'm getting in there and trying to get his teeth white and, uh, and get his tongue pink and not, uh, not mess up as far as, uh, getting pink onto the teeth or getting white onto the tongue. It's just something where you can spend 
hours and hours like redoing and fine tuning a figure and uh and especially if you order something like that where it's a good chunk of change to get it you want to get it right so so on something like that you i might spend three days coming back to it and working on it a little bit and mm -hmm. and fine tuning it but uh but yeah it's it luckily it's something i enjoy so it's uh it's been fun so far. If I get tired of it, I, I can always quit doing it, I guess. <laughs> oh, for sure. Well, and it's funny. I'll talk with Jason about stuff. And uh, so last year uh, for my birthday, a bunch of guys got together, and Jason decided to make me a custom that I didn't have, which I thought was really cool. And he made me a custom Hasbro Max Moon, which um, was awesome. Like, it, it was totally a surprise to me. I had no idea. And someone had a, a file. I think Travis actually had the file for the figure. So Jason printed it and painted it. And it looked incredible. Like the detail was second to none. Um, I opened it up. I was like, oh my God, that's freaking Max Moon. Like that's super, super cool. And he uh, immediately, I probably regretted it. Because then everyone's hitting him up in the DMs. Like, hey man, can I get a Max Moon? Hey, can I get a Max Moon? And while I'm sure he appreciates the business, like he said, the amount of detail and the amount of colors was just insane because of how complicated of a costume that was. And so that's that's one of those things, too, where I think sometimes when you see someone like maybe a Hulk Hogan, you're like, all right, you got like, you know, the skin tone, you got red, yellow, and then maybe, you know, white for the wrist tape. And that's maybe a couple of other colors and like the hair and stuff, but not not a ton. Yeah, yeah. If you want, if somebody wants a custom King Kong Bundy, it's like all day, every day, no big deal. But yeah. if you know, it's like I need black and I need white, and that's it. You know, and it, but but yeah, if they wanted uh, that Jesse Ventura with the flowers on the trunks, I probably used I don't know ten different figures or colors on that figure, and just uh, cleaning the brushes as the as they're. Uh, you know, the paint's kind of drying up, and, and so rinsing brushes and back and forth to the wash tub in the, the garage to get your brushes clean and going from one color to the next, it's it can be really tedious. And so it's it, mm -hmm. there comes a point where it's like it doesn't matter if you're uh, – if you're making good money on them, you're just, it's like pushing rocks from one side of the yard to the other. Sometimes if it's uh, something you're kind of bored of doing. So I admire Jason for being able to uh, pump out figure after figure like he does. It's, it's really impressive. And, and I appreciate the detail on his painting. It's, it's phenomenal to do what he does on the size figures he does it on. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. I've been, uh, as we talk here, he's, he sent me a couple of galoobs. I've kind of started diving into those. I got the Road Warriors here, and he uh, just looking at the detail. It's like man, like the face paint. Like you, like I, you mentioned uh, open mouth. Well, Hawk's tongue's out, so you see the teeth, the tongue, which is a slightly different color than the skin. You know, the facial hair, the face paint. It's you know, granted his, his bottom half is all just you know black pants, black boots. That's pretty simple, but everything else, a lot of detail. Same with animals. Got the spider. You know, of course, the green and black face paint and. And he even wrote, drew his tattoo on there. So it's um, it's one of those things. Like, I think sometimes people don't, you know, they may see a finished piece that he posts, but they don't see all the uh, all the different steps to getting to that point. Yeah, I mean, there's there's decision-making on what uh, what paint you're going to use as far as the face paint for the Road Warriors. Sure. There's the uh, there's the having the color that you want to put on there. Um, there's the actual the, doing the uh, you know the the physical painting, but but like just the the eye fatigue and the uh, the shaky hand and you know just just different stuff that you might come across where it's like oh, I need to set this down for a little while and come back to it and and 
And so, like I say, it's impressive when I see the detail that he has. It's it's just uh, really phenomenal. There's people that are so much more talented than me, um, but for me, it's just it's been a it's been a fun journey doing this stuff. So I um, I appreciate it, and and uh, and like I say, the doing figures that I've never done before is probably the most fun. So I've done I think I've done thirty two or thirty three of the uh, so a little over half of the. Uh, different figures that are out there as far as the molds for the LJNs. And then there's some I've done several of, like I've done several Roddy Pipers and several Hogan's and several Bundy's and, and George Steele's and that. So, um, but yeah, like doing a, Mike, uh, a Macho Man Randy Savage in WrestleMania 5 gear versus doing one in WrestleMania 3 gear. Uh, it, it's just, it's, it's fun to do something new that you haven't done yet. Oh, definitely. Um, you mentioned this at the top of the show, so I got to throw it to the uh, major wrestling figure podcast. The big rubber guys, a lot of people really going crazy for these. Obviously, um, you know, LJN inspired figures, right? And that's, I think, what a lot of us called them back then, big rubber guys. So love the name. Obviously, you know, Demolition, Cardone and Myers themselves have figures. And then now up for pre-order as we record this, Sergeant Slaughter, Marty Jannetty, and Ric Flair. And they've announced Andre the Giant as well, so kind of cool, man. Like the fact that they wrote the wrong with uh, with demolition, so we now officially have Smash, which is amazing. Um, this is really cool, man. I, I didn't know if there would be a huge market for the LJNs, just because I knew that these would be costly, because that's kind of been a big thing for a lot of retailers where they haven't, or I mean, a lot of retail companies, because it gets brought up a lot. How come you don't do LJNs? How come you don't do LJNs? And it's usually the cost because of the weight of the figure. And so it's kind of cool that they're doing them, man. Have you have you dove into these at all? Do you plan to? What are your thoughts here, man? Oh, I, I scooped up the uh, demolition pre-order, and I'm hoping I get their uh, their standard face paint instead of the chase. Just, uh, I, 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 but I, I also I would, I would much rather have the standard. Yeah, and so I hadn't thought about it, but a couple different guys brought up to me, well, what if you get one standard and one chase? And I was just like, oh, God, there's another thing i got to worry about now. <laughs> if I get, you know, they're not even matching. But, uh, but no, I'm super excited about them. And, um, and I just repainted an axe figure. Uh, like I say, it's one of my favorites I've done in a while. I gave him WrestleMania 4, uh, face paint. And then, uh, if you've never seen the axe LJN, there's, um, it's distinctly a knee pad on his left knee. It sticks out from his knee like a knee pad, but on his right knee, it's really a, a brace. It's not the knee pad, and they, I think they just decided to go ahead and make it easy and do it in black. So on the one I did, I I did it in uh, beige like it is when he's at uh, WrestleMania 4, and then did all the spikes in silver, and you know I, I painted those, the silver first, and then went around them with the black to, to cover up the the paint that went over the sides of the little spikes. But the detail on the big rubber guys, uh, they look great. The $50 including shipping, like I say, this axe that I bought to paint, I think I figured it out and I paid like 55 bucks for it. So it's rare. Um, it's special that I painted it. But like if I wanted to, you know, get in the, here's an axe figure business just to sell to people, spending as much time as I did, and if I spent 55 bucks just to buy it, I'd have to sell it for at a loss, you know, for 100 bucks shipping to everybody, and, and now they've got these big rubber guys that are only 50 bucks each, including shipping. So um, I, I love the whole the whole idea of it. I, I didn't order uh, Cardona and Myers. 
Um, I, I'm going to get flair and slaughter for sure. I'm on the fence with Janetti, but, uh, one kind of cool thing is, um, Matt Cardona went on a, uh, Twitter spaces. He's done it a couple times. So I actually got to, to talk to him on spaces once, um, a few weeks ago. And, uh, and I love Indiana Jones, as you, you might know. So I asked him about his Indie God uh, outfit and asked him to rate the five uh, Indiana Jones movies. Um, and he hadn't seen the third one, The Last Crusade, yet. So he was on again on Spaces. I talked to him again, and I, I had offered before to paint him a, a Randy Savage LJN as a gift and asked him which one he would want, either WrestleMania five or WrestleMania three. And and so he picked WrestleMania five, which is, I'm glad because it's a little easier to paint just the, the white boots and white socks and the, uh, the orange trunks and, and knee pads. And, and so it's much easier to paint than a WrestleMania three. Looks awesome. But, uh, but yeah, just as a thank you for making that line, uh, I'm, I'm looking to uh, ship that off to him as a gift. And, and if he sells it or hangs onto it or whatever, whatever he wants to do with it. But I, I totally appreciate that they're, bringing that size and that style of figure back to the world. Uh, I, I just, uh, I'm just afraid for my wallet and the uh, space in my house is all. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> I just rearranged some of my uh, Jason Wolf customs. It's uh it's funny. I bought a, uh, I bought a new house um, in 2020. And when I, because I wasn't really looking to buy yet. I was still kind of like, oh, I was running a condo. I was happy, but it was a good deal and it was a good time. So I was just like, okay, I guess I'll buy it. And my sister kind of talked me into it. But long story short here, the the master bedroom closet had like tons of shelves. And most people probably look at like, oh, I could put my shoes up there and this and that. I'm like, no, no, that's, that's where my figure displays will be. Uh, <laughs> and, and so I just rearranged a, a display of, of some of my custom Hasbros. And I, I buy these risers off of uh Amazon, they're like acrylic risers. I think they're actually for like nail polish and stuff. Oddly enough, yeah. but they work great for for action figures. And I know a lot of people use them for like Funko Pops and stuff. They're they're very very good. But um, anyway, so like kind of arranging them was like that was nice to be able to have all those shelves up there because like literally like where would I put these otherwise? And I don't know. I'm uh, I'm kind of bad about not getting my displays like I want them and. You know, it's a lot of work, too. People don't realize that. And I don't live anywhere near an Ikea, so I can't, I don't have any access to, like, a cheap Detolf, unfortunately. So, because uh, I would, I would have a bunch of those if I, if I were able to, but uh, unfortunately I don't have any close by. But no, the thing is with, with figures, I think it, it, oftentimes it's space. And when you don't have space, like, you can't, like, it's kind of hard to keep buying because you're like, ooh, I really like these, but. Where do I put it? And then, you know, the financial burden and everything else. There's a lot of factors to collecting. And I feel like there's so much stuff happening nowadays where it's like, it's a lot. And I know I've seen you post a couple of pictures of some current day wrestling figures, more of the legendary characters. But um, do you buy a lot of stuff currently or, or do you focus more on just the LJNs? Uh, I, so I've slowed down a little bit. I, I, uh, I had to get that re-release of Harley Race. I uh, also got a... Uh, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage in the King gear from the uh, Mattel line and the uh, Defining Moments Bret Hart. So there's um, there's guys like at the SDCC uh, uh, when they were um, 
presenting those new releases, you know, WCW, Roddy Piper, that's something I never thought I would get, but then I look at how cool it is, it's like, okay, well, I gotta get that, and yeah. the Hart Foundation Coliseum collection, but yeah, it's, uh, picking and choosing because of space, it's, it's rough, and so, you know, it's funny, sometimes my wife and I will go to, uh, open houses just to, Sometimes it's just fun if we have a day off and there's an open house and it looks like a cool place, we'll go check it out. And and now even she sometimes will see like a, a ledge around the, the top somewhere where maybe people would store things and she's like, oh, you could put your dollies up there. So yeah. <laughs> it, it's funny looking at, uh, at houses and seeing the different shelving options and, and ledges on stuff they have and, and having her be like, oh, that would be a good spot for your dollies. So... <laughs> Yeah, it, it's kind of cool to to think at least she's she's like minded and is like, yeah, you could display your stuff right there. So I think that's I think that's really cool. Yeah, um, I know um, it's interesting because I I know the Ultimate Edition Brock Lesnar, the Ruthless Aggression ones, is hitting stores now at, at Walmart, and it's like basically people don't know it's him in his black trunks from when he kind of debuted. I was perfectly fine. Like I don't need that. I'm I'm good on that. But Travis hits me up. He's like, hey, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy that figure and I'm going to paint it red and white, which is the colors he wore in New Japan. Ah, uh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, that's cool. Like, you know, immediately I was just like, oh, uh, like it kind of got me like I kind of want to do that now. And it's it's funny how that happens, like where you kind of just get that idea and you're like, man, because all you'd really need to do is get the sword tattoo decal from Curb Stomp because that won't be on there, and then paint the gear red and white, which is shouldn't be too hard to pull off. Man, that would be awesome. So uh, that may be a project for the future. We'll see. Yeah, it's like the uh, – I don't know if you're familiar with the Honky Tonk Man LJN, but I did one yeah. of those for the first time recently. And, uh, and so the one I got, I got him and uh, – Two other figures, I think it was Hillbilly Jim and Jesse Ventura, and it was $28 and something with tax and shipping on eBay. And I didn't notice that his nose was a little messed up and his hair was, but I figured, shoot, for $28, bucks, i will I'll do this honky-tonk man and, and practice on it, and I have another one that's, that's waiting to be painted as well. But, uh, but yeah, it turns out it's like one of my favorites that I've done. I had to, uh, I put on a red jumpsuit instead of the, uh, the the I mean he's all he's a chunk of blue rubber, right. so it's oh, like I the had entire kid and his whole face was blue. I remember. Yeah, yeah. So redoing him with a red jumpsuit with uh, silver. It's the same he wore at uh, SummerSlam '88, but he also had it on uh, the last night. He was a baby face um, in WWF uh, December 5th when I went to my first show, and then you know the next morning he introduced. Uh, Jimmy Hart is his manager on Superstars of Wrestling. And so I've got some pictures my mom took of him in this same jumpsuit that he wore at SummerSlam 88. So getting him painted in that as opposed to that blue jumpsuit he comes with uh, normally from LJ. And it just brings you such this uh, joy when you're when you're all finished with it and checking it out and holding it in your hand. So, so yeah, the, the creating something and the finished product is – there's a lot of satisfaction there that uh, – like I say, when I'm carving pumpkins, those only last a couple of days, and then I can show people pictures. But but these LJNs, you know, I've got something that'll last until I throw it out or give it away or sell it or whatever happens to it. So very cool. Oh, it definitely is. Was that was that hard decision to to sell them in the sense of like like as I know Jason Wolf's talked about that, where he's like, you know, he'll paint them all up and they're in his house, and he's just like, man, these are cool and. 
I know normally if it's a cool design, he'll make one for himself as well. But yeah, it's got to be kind of kind of sad to you know send those off and like, well, those are gone. Like it's, I'm sure it's nice knowing they're going to a to someone who really wants them. But still, it's got to be a little bit disappointing in some regard. Yeah, almost uh, pretty much everyone I've done that I've uh, sold for somebody, I've got one that I've done for myself also. So, yeah, so there was, uh, you know, if if somebody wants a Kamala, I've got a Kamala to paint, but I have one that I already did for myself that I don't want to sell because it's just so darn, so darn cool with the, uh, the leopard spots on the, uh, on that, uh, that skirt that he has and, and filling in the, the paint where he wasn't painted before underneath. Just just looking at it is awesome, but I wouldn't want to sell it until I did another one for myself or had another one to paint it eventually. It, it was the same thing with Bobby Heenan. I did a, a Heenan with a red uh, star on the back and, and Heenan written on there, and um, he's one that a lot of people want. So so I've, uh, I've done two of those that I've sold to people, but I made sure that I had one for myself before I... Uh, before I ship the last one off, because it's just sometimes you don't know if you'll take the time to do it again, and you and you, I don't know. I'm I'm so in love with the figures that I don't want to, uh, like you say, sell one that I don't have a backup of. So, Are, and so I know what I know what he's talking about. Oh, yeah. for sure, for sure. Um, now I got to ask about the. Uh, you mentioned the resin figure, you know, from Sin Bodhi, the the natural butch reed, which is funny because I for some reason always thought he had an LJM. And I think maybe that's the custom I was seeing, and it just looked like it fit in so perfectly that I just assumed he was in the yeah. JN line because he should have been. You know, he'd have been a really good addition. Um, yeah. But have you obviously with with the how things are now? Like Jason Wolf said something to me a while back that really opened my eyes when I asked. I said, "Hey, is something something possible?" And he goes, "Well, if you think about it, really anything's possible." And I'm like, "Ooh, you shouldn't have told me that." You know, like that gets the wheels a turning. But uh, have you thought about diving into some of the uh, the custom LJNs that that are floating out there? Because there's so many good sculpts that could kind of be fun. But I know painting resin's obviously different than the rubber. So it's I don't know. Is that something you've thought about or, or wanted to dive into at some point? Yeah, like I'd I'd love to. Uh order about a dozen figures from Sin Bodhi. It's just the budget. And, uh, and like I say, the, the time go- is a factor for sure. sure. Um, when I'm painting the, um, the skin on, on a gray resin figure, it takes a lot more coats of paint on that type of material than it does on the LJNs. Um, mm-hmm. For every single aspect, it's more coats of paint. So just the time involved is more... Um, and then the mental drain of like trying to get everything how you want, uh, it is, it is something where you got to really be dedicated to it. But, but again, I guess the biggest factor is just the cost. And so, uh, um, sometimes I wish I had a 3D printer, but you also got to have the files with the, uh, with the right stuff on there. Yeah. And then, uh, and, and there's some, there's a figure, some figures on Etsy I've seen that look really, really sharp. Um, but yeah, it, it is definitely the the painting itself, the challenge of painting it. I I would uh, whatever I got, I I feel like it'd be more fun to get it without the paint on there and just to paint it myself. Yeah. So. Well, I think. Or like Sin. Oh, yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, like Sin Bodhi has an amazing butch read he did, where he's got like the black vest, the yellow trunks, um, and that's a great look on that gear. But the one I did, it was uh, I saw. Uh, Butch Reed, Butch Reed, uh, wrestle three times and I think he wore the same gear at all three, uh, 
shows where he had a like a red vest, red boots, blue trunks, and he had like one knee pad was blue and one was red, and he had like striped socks. So like when I'm doing when I'm painting it, I can I can do it how it was when I saw him perform and try to hit all those little details that uh, that I'm specifically looking for that uh, that meet my needs. Whereas if I'm ordering something that's already painted, it might be a little more simple and and just not the joy out of uh, doing it myself, I guess. Yeah, it's it's always one of those things where like sometimes the possibilities can be anything and. That I don't know. That's that's also a cool thing. Like I said, I've been doing these uh, custom galoobs, and and Jason has also been able to kind of modify the files or swap the heads, and, and like the stuff. Because I don't, I don't have a three D printer. I don't know how they work. I've talked to Jason. I've talked to Travis. They both have one, and they've explained elements of it to me. But still, it's not something I totally understand. But you know, being able to resize a galoob figure. To, or I, I'm sorry, an LJN figure to Galoob scale is amazing, but at the same time, you could take a you know a Galoob sting and resize it to LJN scale, and I'm like, wow, like that's really cool. Like so, so some of the things you can do, like Sin Bodhi, I know created the Midnight Express, huge Midnight yeah. Express fan, and the fact that he has them, and I'm like, wow, that's really cool because they were obviously not in the WWF, but had talks because Cornette talked about it. They had talks with Vince. And Vince actually pitched them, hey, we have dolls and, like, all the money you'll make. So it's like, well, what if they had signed in 1986 and, like, you know, we had, you know, Midnight Express LJNs. Like, that's a really fun what if to me. So that's where, like, this, the possibilities being endless is a good but also can be a bad thing as well. Definitely. Yeah, the uh, – and you may have uh... – heard it somewhere else or maybe uh, uh, I've talked about it before but the other funny thing is how uh, differently the pay structure changed on those LJNs mm -hmm. uh, from those first couple of years till uh, later when in uh, the 1987 figures I like I say I think everybody from then on only got like a quarter of a cent for every figure sold so Outback Jack and and anybody from uh 1987 on in their figures. I, I think they had to have four of their figures sold for them to make one penny. So, so Vince saying uh, it's funny that he would try to lure the Midnight Express with We Have Dolls and look at how much Iron Sheik made and Hulk Hogan and, and Hillbilly Jim. And it's like, yeah, those guys made tens of thousands of dollars because the royalty structure was different. And then when, uh, when Midnight Express would have come along, they would have been uh, probably disappointed in the payouts because the, the pay structure was changed. So I didn't know that. Um, that's interesting to hear. But, um, you know, I've actually heard a rumor that um, all the guys that had ECW figures back in the day never actually got paid for that. So... I don't know. I've, I don't know. Is that on the toy company? Is that on ECW itself? I don't know. But if that's like how crazy is that to think? Like, say you're Lance Storm and you have your very first action figure. It's in Walmart. It's in Kmart. It's in Toys R Us. It's in KB Toys. You don't see a. You don't see a nickel. You know, it's like what? How does that even happen? Yeah, and what's what's also surprising, I've heard similar stories about uh, the NWA and WCW. Before they had toys, they still had shirts that they were selling and mm -hmm. posters and stuff. And I've heard that uh, that those guys never saw a dime out of the merchandise either. And so, um, 
Yeah, I, I think it's the promotion primarily that signs these deals and cashes in. And then if the uh, if the talent's out there working 300 nights a year and uh, and not keeping track of things, they just uh, you know they're not going to admit it and give them give them the money in a lot of cases. Well, it is crazy because you know obviously you know this. We we have a lot of third party toy companies now, and and I and I'm sure they're getting paid very well to to sign talent and. I don't know what Mattel pays. I, I have no clue, but obviously it's probably decent, I would say. But I know Pro Wrestling Tees, when they kind of came around, they offered a much better pay structure to wrestlers to sell T-shirts. And, and their whole deal was, this is your store, you're selling the shirts, we are just simply making them, you know, printing them essentially, and then shipping them. And then we, you know, pay you the, the money. So... Um, very, very smart idea because I know I didn't realize like, cause I remember pro wrestling tees when I signed up to do a store there, the, the base royalty was usually like $7 a shirt, which I was like, oh, that's pretty good. You know, like you sell a shirt for 20 bucks, you get seven, they keep like what, uh, 13. So I was like, that's, yeah, I, I think that's pretty good. That sounds great. Yeah. And, um, I found out later WWE's percentage was if you were a wrestler with the company, sold a shirt on WWE shop, the, the talent got 5% of the shirt sale. Yeah. That, that makes more sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Now you do the math on 5% of at the time, what about a $25 shirt? Well, it's a dollar on $20. So yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> it's not a lot, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It'd be like what? 50 cents on $10. So it'd be a, um, a dollar on uh, $20 and what a dollar 25 on, uh, on twenty five. Anyway, it, it's not a it's not a lot of money, and it doesn't surprise me. So, isn't that crazy though to think like if if someone's buying, let's say, a Cody Rhodes T shirt, they're not buying it because of the quality of the shirt. They're not buying it because it's WWE. They're buying it because they like Cody Rhodes. Yet he's getting the least amount of money of anybody. Um, it is, yeah. At least he has his. Uh, I, I'm thinking he owns his own name. Hopefully, I don't know if he does. I believe he does. Um, and, and I'm sure there's probably like different contracts out there but i i did hear a, a, a interview with scott hall razor ramon and he was like you know if we move that decimal point one space probably wouldn't affect the mcmahon family a whole lot but it, it would definitely change the the hall family quite a bit yeah <laughs> and vince was like I, if i do that for you I have to do that for everybody which is probably accurate but i was just kind of surprised because i know like you know in my time in wrestling if anyone ever wanted to do a shirt or something like that, a lot of places were like, hey, because I know one, well, in Japan, actually, like I didn't ever have a shirt personally, but I knew guys that had some that, that were there regularly. And they sold the shirts for like, um, you know, 3,000 yen, which is like 30 bucks. And the deal was the company kept 10, the talent got 10, and the t shirt maker got 10. Like, well, that seems yeah. fair to me. I mean, but it's kind of crazy to think like you could have a figure of you say you're the honky tonk man and you know you get like you said a half a quarter or something every time somebody buys a figure it's like where's the rest of that money going yeah totally yeah it's uh i worked uh from uh oh summer of 90 when i was 16 until a few years ago in a retail environment um different stores selling uh mainly electronics and car audio and stuff and it's it's crazy. Like when you're, when you're buying a pair of speakers, generally, um, it's what they call 50 points, uh, the profit margin, which is, uh, 
it, it's double. So like if you're buying a pair of speakers for a hundred bucks, more than likely they're costing the store around 50 bucks. And then if the store agrees to buy X amount of dollars worth of speakers from the speaker maker, then they get little discounts off of that where maybe they only cost them 47 or 45 bucks for that pair of speakers that they're trying to sell for a hundred. And so in, in the, in the retail world, you see certain things are more profitable than others and you realize, uh, you know, how much, how much, uh, profit there is in things. And so, yeah, when I, when I see that a t-shirt might only make 5%, it's like, yeah, I can, I can see that, that the, the, the store owner and, and the, uh, the people making the shirt and it, it just, it kind of makes sense when you've seen it from the other side and how much stuff costs versus how much it's supposed to sell for. Well, and, and I, and I know with, um, with everything, the cost is almost always going up on, on toys and stuff. And, you know, I think most of us all have made the complaint. Well, if they go up one more time, I'm never buying anything else. And then we end up buying it. So <laughs> you know, it is what it is, I guess. But, um, no, yeah, it's very interesting to see kind of the, uh, the profit and loss sometimes with, uh, with signing a talent. So that's why the point I was making it to, like, you know, the, the majors have the bendies and the big rubber guys. And there's obviously their toys. There's rush collectibles. There's, um, Epic Toys, which used to be Cella. There's, you know, a Mitch that's doing grapplers and gimmicks. There's a lot of cool toy companies out there. So there's a lot of opportunity for these guys to make, make money. And what I think is really cool is how, like, we're going to start seeing guys signed with multiple companies to do different figures, you know, like, I think that's really cool. Yeah, and I, and like you said before, I think they're making a better deal with these, uh, third party companies, obviously, than they are with, uh, with Mattel. I think that those third party companies, in order to get their products off the ground and moving, they have to offer a little better deal. So, you know, the, the toughest part too is when you, uh, a lot of times when you go and you order something from, uh, from a factory overseas, they might have a run of products that they make for you. And then you don't know if the second run is going to use the same quality parts or have the same craftsmanship. So a lot of times, um, in all different, uh, manufacturing realms, there might be the first line might be okay. And then all of a sudden you start getting junk products because the, the company cheaped out on one part. So, mm-hmm. you know, th- there's that risk too with figures where, I don't know. You've you've seen some where they they come out and the part breaks right off the bat, and it's like that's not on the. Uh, a lot of times, that's the factory cheaping out on something and not telling the uh, the person that's the actual manu- the, not the manufacturer, but the designer and the guy that ordered the products. He might have gotten a, a prototype that's perfect, and then they start cheaping out on the manufacturing side, and then he's the one that feels the brunt from all the upset customers. Yeah, well, I know um, Sal from Rush Collectibles uh, was on this show recently, and that's kind of what we talked about and. Um, you know, I know he got a lot of heat because, you know, some people that are very, um, integral in the figure community opened figures live and they broke and it's like, so now everyone thinks, oh, these figures are all going to fall apart. Whereas I opened it, it didn't fall apart. Another YouTuber named Kyle Peterson opened it, it didn't fall apart. Steve Hoker had one, it didn't fall apart. So I'm like, it's kind of just sucks that that one happened to do it on a video and it's no one's fault. Obviously it's just like you said that one may have been flawed. Like that one may have got broken shipping. So a lot of things can happen. Or like I said, it may have even been manufactured badly. So um, it's unfortunate, but I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping I'm pulling for all these companies. I want them to all do well. You know, Sal's a friend of mine. I I think his figures are are really fun. And I, I love the idea of him doing like monsters and Hasbro scale. I think that's super fun. So 
hopefully, uh, you know, I, I think he'll do fine as long as he keeps uh, keeps doing what he's doing. And just, I know he switched factories and is going to have a better product uh, more so in the future. So I think it'll be great. Yeah, and it's like I say, it's not just toy manufacturers. It's uh, electronics and you know washing machines and all kinds of stuff. Where one part they uh, they go to a different supplier, the factory does, and it's and the guy that uh, sent in the order to that factory that's it's out of their control. So I'm sure Sal, same thing. Something happened that's out of his control that uh, mm. that that bit him, unfortunately. So yeah, hopefully he's able to uh, recover fully from that and move on and, and still offer some really cool products. Yeah, I hope so for sure. Uh, Brian, I think we can probably go ahead and wrap it up there, man. I really appreciate you being on the show, talking about your journey in the in the world of toys. It's it's really cool to spotlight different people. Uh, I know you're uh 80s wrestling fan on Twitter, but if people want to order some of your LJNs, man, let them know where they can find them. And, of course, we didn't even talk about this, your new podcast, Legendary Wrestling Figures. I've been on there a couple of times already. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll reach out to you again soon. Um, that's been like the most fun I've had is uh, getting to meet all the uh, amazing, talented, and cool people in the uh, figure community and the wrestling community and and uh, getting stories from all you guys. So I appreciate you. Um, as far as uh, selling the figures, I don't, uh, I don't have a, I have a couple in, in stock right now and I can, I can still uh, do them on a per figure basis. So you can send me a DM on at 80 underscore wrestling on, uh, on X or on Twitter. And uh, if I'm able to help great, um, they are so time consuming that uh, many times it'll be a, a ways out before I can, before I can do anything, but uh, but yeah, I, I'd appreciate anybody who takes the time to listen to the show uh, and listen to the guests. So many great stories from everybody. Uh, Legendary Wrestling Figures is the name of the show, and it's spelt uh, it's spelt weird. It has LJN in the title, so the Legendary has a J in there instead of a G. But uh, it's a it's a fun uh, show as far as talking to some really interesting people like uh, like Brian Breaker and uh, Tim from Pulling Up a Chair and Drew Vensel from Tales from the Estate and Evan, Skin- Evan Ginsberg from uh, Associate Producer of The Wrestler. So I've had, a, I've had a bunch of guests on there and they're all amazing people that I've gotten to share stories with. So I appreciate uh, I appreciate you, Brian, for coming on the show as well and for having me on here. It's a, a huge honor and I thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm always willing to do it anytime that I can. And uh, like I said, I, I hope to have you on here again down the road, too, as we uh, as you go uh, deeper into your journey of creating uh, wrestling figures. Yeah, I'm always uh, I'm always jealous of you and Jeff on uh, TV Toycast when you bring up uh, old figures that I grew up with. I'm like, oh, I'd, I'd love to talk with them about that. So <laughs> I love listening to uh, TV Toycast. I love listening to the Saturday Morning Rumble Wheel. Thank you. Um, thanks for putting out all this great content for us all. I appreciate you. I, I told Jeff when he kind of decided to step into that seat, I was like, I'm going to tell you, man, this is a dangerous game because what happens is you'll see like old figures like, oh, the Ninja Turtles, that's cool. And then, then your curiosity gets the best of you. I wonder how much those are. <laughs> and then you get on eBay, and then it gets dangerous. Let me just say that. <laughs> yeah, I, I never would have had any interest in mask figures. And then you guys did the episode on mask, and I looked at the album art where or the uh, the cover art for the episode, and it's got Jim Carrey, but it's got the dog and the little uh, yeah. replaceable mask for the dog. I'm like, oh, that, shoot, that that's freaking cool. <laughs> so, yeah, it so, yeah, is I hear what those. you're saying. It's one of those where you're like, I don't need that at all. But then you see it and you're like, man, that is really cool. 
yeah, yeah. It's tough that. seeing all your uh, all your awesome Jason Wolf creations too. It's just like, oh man, I'm so jealous of the Adrian Adonis, the Harley Race, the, just so many of them that are uh, beyond cool. So uh, love love all the stuff you share on Twitter as well, Brian. Uh, thanks I, so much. I appreciate that, man. Well, like I said, thanks for being on the show, and hopefully we can do it again down the road, man. Sounds great. Thanks so much. Bye bye.